You're now listening to PopcoNet, the only cult of pop culture. What is up, people? Welcome back to PopcoNet, the podcast where you can find the latest and greatest content creators in pop culture and also listen to some really cool conversations on pop culture. Today, I was joined by Josh Davenport from the Just Match podcast, and today was all about getting to know him, what his podcast is all about. During this pod, we talked about El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie that's coming out this month. We also talked about our anticipation for the Joker movie and our love for Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. Uh, we talked about the addition of Jonah Hill to Matt Reeves to Batman, and we discussed which role we think he should play. And at the end of the pod, we talked about Ad Astra, the new movie that's starring Brad Pitt, and we absolutely loved it. We shared our thoughts about this film, and we also shared some dislikes about the film as well. So if you're interested in all those things, you should definitely stay tuned in. And while you're listening to the pod, you should definitely rate and review the show on any platform that you have. It takes a few seconds, and it definitely helps out the pod. And with all that being said, thank you so much for tuning in. Also, if you want to follow me on Twitter or any of my socials, it's at PopcornNet everywhere. Once again, guys, thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Enjoy the pod. Peace. Boom, and we're live. Today, I'm joined by Josh Davenport from the Just Smash podcast. How are we doing today, bro? Hey, man, I'm doing all right. How are you? Pretty good, man. I mean, you're a, a man of many hobbies and traits i've been stalking you on twitter listening to your <laughs> podcast and you have a lot of things that you follow but before we discuss all those things um would you give the listeners a brief synopsis about what your podcast is about uh yeah man it's uh so it's the just mash podcast we've been doing it for about two and a half years now it's me and my lifelong friend matthew and we really just kind of talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about but mainly through the lens of movies, you know, sometimes movies, sometimes music, really just pop culture. But we kind of figured that it was our lives through the lenses of pop culture, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it definitely works. Um, I mean, starting out with a podcast, you never realize that people are actually interested in what you and your friend have to talk about. And you put it mm. out there and it just works. And you guys definitely have like really, really good chemistry. And I enjoy hearing you guys bounce off uh, ideas of each other. One of my favorite episodes was one that you recommended to me, and it was like you revisited, uh, I think it was year 2016, yeah. and it's crazy. Like, it's so close and yet so far away that, at a, at a sense, you're a whole different person at this point. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you still have the same views about things, in a sense, but at the same, at the same way, uh, you're comparing your list to what your list would be now, like your top movies and things like that and uh i really enjoyed that pod um how do you guys come up with the content for your pod like that you just sit together and be like what do we want to talk about today well so when we started out it was very much like okay we need to have a structure we need to have you know we need to do our top 10 of this or we need to talk about this topic or or whatever and as we kind of went on and we got more comfortable um on the air we really discovered like look, we've got a 20-year history. We don't necessarily need a structure. We can just bullshit about whatever comes to mind, and hopefully that'll be as entertaining as some sort of structure. So that's that's really where it comes from. But we do still like to do you know, our top 10 movies or comic books or like we did our top 25 favorite songs or, you know, it all just kind of depends. Like when we just turn the mics on and go wherever the conversation leads us, we call it just casual mash <laughs> <'Cause they're lame. laughs> i got you but i was wondering where yeah, the mash man. came from 
so now I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there Mashed you go. everything yeah. together. Um, like I said before at the top of the pod, um, how do you keep up with so much content? I mean, you're writing for comics, writing for film, uh, you have passion in wrestling and everything. How do you keep up with all that stuff, man? I have a hard time myself. I'm just wondering, like, what? how do you do it? Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kind of do it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, like wrestling is is one of my favorite things of all time and comic books like both of those are, are stuff that that have always been there for me and then i would say around probably my freshman year of high school i really got deep into movies and tv shows are also one of those things that are always there and you know i grew up massive fans of of the beatles and then i kind of as every young kid does i, I got into a hip-hop phase and then i came out of it and kind of got into queen and red hot chili peppers and then bob dylan and all this different stuff. So music is, is really, I mean, it's the soundtrack to your life, you know? So I think for me, the best way to do it is to find ways to combine all of them, <laughs> you know? And that's kind of what the podcast is, is just trying to find a way to talk about everything you love and hopefully pass that on to other people. So you can kind of contribute to their lives, what you do with your own, I guess. Yeah. In a sense, listen to your pod. I have to do like a Beatles run now. Like you, you like every episode you mentioned, like one of the members of the Beatles or something I'm like, damn, like I wouldn't say I've neglected them. I, I, I have a, a lot of different tastes in different genres of music, but that is one band that I've never really did a deep dive in. And you have brought them to light <laughs> for me. Oh man, you, you need to. My, my co-host Matthew is the same way. He like, you know, everyone knows like, let it be and come together and all that. But, you know, from knowing me for so long, I don't know, he just never got into it. And then one day I, I, I kind of made him and he did. And now they're like one of his favorites. It's something that everyone has to do at some point in their lives, you know. Yeah, once I check him out, I definitely come back and uh, let you know what I think. Yeah, man, you need to. Because they're, they're the type of band that like there's four different members. They all sing. They all play their own instruments. They've got 14 albums, over 200 something songs from seven years. So like they have their hands in all different genres you know like you can listen to 20 songs of the beatles and then listen to 20 more that sound nothing like the ones you just listened to they're phenomenal yeah the only member that i really know i, I don't know if he's the most popular one is uh paul mccartney that's the only beetle that i like follow in a sense uh i do appreciate his music his solo stuff. yeah i would say he's probably the biggest one just because I mean, the only ones still alive are him, him and Ringo, and I don't think Ringo puts out as much music as Paul does. But, like, even Paul McCartney, like, he worked with Kanye West and Rihanna a few years ago. Like, he's very uh, in touch with what's going on and trying to ride the wave of momentum of what's popular now so he can stay relevant. And he does really well with it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I uh, noticed that you followed that I forgot to mention was, well, I don't know if you follow it, but I know you freaking love it. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, but uh, are you a fan of anime or is it just Cowboy Bebop that that did it for you? Well, it's not that I'm necessarily a fan of anime or not a fan of anime as much as it's what's good I will enjoy. So my first exposure to anime was maybe maybe Ghost in the Shell was maybe the first one I watched movie wise. How solid? Yeah, that that one's amazing. and I'd always heard, you know, Cowboy Bebop, Akira, uh, Spirited Away, random random ones like that. So being a movie fan, pop culture fan, 
those were always kind of a checklist that I'd always wanted to go through. Um, but my uncle is a big fan of anime and we watched the Cowboy Bebop movie one night and I adored it. So we had to watch, watch through the whole show. And immediately it was like, it, it just struck me to the core as lame as that sounds. Um, it became one of those things that like, I'm a firm believer that we experience pop culture to move us and help us live vicariously in ways that we cannot do ourselves. Cowboy Bebop was that for me. I found solace within the characters and the themes of the writing. And then also just the cool ass imagery and, you know, space battles and bounty hunters. And it was awesome. It's, it's one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. It's one of my favorites as well. Um, I have to revisit it after listening to you, like, you know, harp on it so much, but I've <laughs> never watched the movie. Like I have to go back and watch that. Um, is the movie connected with the show or is it its own entity? Uh, well, so the movie, I think it's like canonically it takes place, I think between like episodes 23 and 24. Cause I think Bebop is like 26 episodes. Um, but it's one that you can watch wherever you can okay. watch it after the show's finished. You could watch it, you know, ap after episode five, like you can really watch it wherever for me, I've watched it before the show, uh, which I would say is probably only, the only way you can't watch it, <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. A lot of people think it's um good, but it's not, on the level of the show, but it's, it's sort of a good come down after you finish the show. Cause the show really ends with like an emotional punch. So the movie is a good way to revisit the world and, you know, kind of come down from the characters and be comfortable with like one last journey. Um, but no, I, I like, I, I love view up a show. It's my favorite show ever. Um, but the movie, I, I definitely think it holds its own, especially being that I saw it without watching the show. I had no connection to the characters or the animation or the writing or anything, and I still loved it. So, How do you uh, feel about the rumors coming out about the live-action version of Cowboy Bebop? Oh, man. <laughs> I, feel like, I don't know. I feel like we're in a weird space as a society. Like, we're just remaking everything. Like, everything doesn't need a remake. Like, of all things, Cowboy Bebop, like, uh, Even though I, 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 I'm not gonna say say I'll check it out because I I have avoided some live action animes. I just can't do it. But I might right. check that out if it's on like Netflix or something like that. Just cause. But yeah, I wasn't it's stuck when I heard Netflix. about it. <laughs> uh, they said so. Like they've said it's Netflix. Uh, John Cho, who's from like Harold and Kumar and the new Star Trek movies, uh, he's gonna be Spike. Which <laughs> I don't know, man. Like he's. I, I don't know. I feel like he can do it. Mm -hmm. But when Keanu Reeves was attached, however long ago, everyone was on board. But now everyone's like, oh, well, he's too old. But he's only a little bit older than John Cho. So I'm like, why not go for Keanu? Because I, I just love Keanu Reeves so much. Yeah, we have uh, that de-aging thing that's going around with, uh, you know, in the Marvel movies, you can like de-age characters if you need a sense, like uh, if you need to uh, de-age yeah. Keanu a little bit. They could do that. Netflix has yeah, money. I mean, Bebop's one of those shows where it's my main concern with Netflix is the budget because Bebop, again, it's a space travel show. There's spaceship fighting. It's also yeah. just heavy action and it's going to be effects heavy. So my main concern with Netflix is could they afford that? Um, hopefully they can, but I don't know. You never know. It's <laughs> it's kind of scary. Yeah, I'm I'm very nervous. We might have to do a pod just on that just to revisit it. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll probably have to. Yeah, because I'm I'm very passionate about bebop. I'm very yeah. protective of it. So you know, whoever is trying to put their hands on it, we're I'm gonna have to have a conversation <laughs> with them. Yeah, you'll be my go-to whenever I have to do a pod about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, out of everything you follow, though, do you have like a favorite, or do you like like them all equally? I don't know. I I I will say I like them all equally. Um, it really depends. Yeah, like with like with music, for instance, that is something that you can experience and interact with at any point. Like you can listen to that all day long. And the thing about music is you can listen to happy music, sad music, you know, stuff to get you psyched up, whatever it is. Um, and music is the only thing that makes its way into all of those other genres. You You hear music when you watch movies and TV shows all the time. In wrestling, you have entrance themes to, to make the crowd react a certain way. Um, so music is always going to be there with movies, you know, again, my, my main thing about entertainment is that I want to feel something that I don't normally feel. I want to live vicariously through these movies, through these characters. So for movies, for me, you know, I'm, if, if anyone has heard me talk for any amount of time, you know, my favorite movie of all time is her. And that is the movie that taught me how to feel. You know, because as, as dudes, we don't really get raised to, to be emotional, to have feelings. So that was the movie that really taught me, like, hey, it's actually OK. Um, and, you know, I'm a massive comic book fan. So what Marvel's been doing with the MCU has just been absolutely incredible, something that I never thought would, would be a thing. And, you know, Avengers Endgame was one of the greatest <laughs> moments of my life <laughs> in the theater. Same. You know, when, when Captain America caught me on here, I jumped up and grabbed my brother's shoulder and like, tears were streaming. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, and, you know, TV shows, it's, it's episodic storytelling, you know, sequential storytelling. So you get to spend time with those characters and you get to really see things develop and grow just what you don't really get in a two hour movie. Um, and then comic books is what taught me how to have an imagination and how to be creative. So it's pretty much all of it, you know, I don't know. There's different things that I value more with each medium. Like pro wrestling is my favorite version of storytelling um, because sort of similar to the, the TV show thing, you get to watch these characters grow over 10 to 15 years. You get to see them be good, be bad, team with different people, be in different types of feuds and matches, hardcore match, steel cage, regular submission. You get to really develop a character and form a connection with them because they are playing a character, but it's also that person in real life. You know, you could interact with them. Yeah. And they're they're real life superheroes. So I don't know. I love it all. That's a long winded answer. <laughs> you fucking killed it, man. <laughs> you nailed Thank everything you. to a T. Like I, I that's that has to be like one of the most beautiful ways to explain pop culture in a sense. Like I gotta give you that, man. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Uh is there something that you follow that your listeners don't know about? Like a guilty pleasure that you follow? You're like, ah, it's not good for the pot. Or um, are you pretty transparent with your podcast? I try, I try to be, I try to be pretty open and honest about the things that I enjoy because, like, a, I'm at the point now where I just could not care less what other people think of me. If you want, if you want to judge me, go ahead because I already do it to myself. So <laughs> you're not, not going to treat me worse than I treat myself. Yeah, that's so 100. Any, any interest I have I'm I try to be very open about because maybe I can either turn someone else on to it or make them be open about it 
you know, because if they see me not saying I'm someone important, but if they see me and they're like, oh, he likes this, maybe I should try it or wow, he likes it and he's talking about it. Maybe I should also talk about it, you know, so I, I, I always try to be the most open version of myself that I can be. Um, and, you know, life's too short to hide <laughs> whatever it is you're interested in, you know, that is a fact, man. That is a fact. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, I'm not into like, you know, weird stuff. And maybe if I were into weird stuff, I would try and hide it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I got you. Um, how long have you been podcasting? We start, well, so our first episode launched, I want to say it was March of 2016. Uh, we, we talked about the 2016 or 2017 Oscars. Uh, so yeah, I guess it would have been March 2017, obviously. Uh, it was the day after, you know, Moonlight won Best Picture and all that. Um, and we did our top 10 movies of, of 2016, but we started doing like practice podcasts in like October 2016, and they were just the most cringeworthy, awful, <laughs> dead air. I like, know what you mean, man. Oh, it was, it like, was I hate so, my voice. <laughs> yes. Oh, dude. And, you know, I've been listening to our older episodes to try and get over that. <clears throat> and it's it's weird. It's hard to listen to yourself, especially like I'm 21. So that was a 19, 18, 19 year old version of me. And when you're young, you're stupid. That's <laughs> just how it is. So hearing me be young and stupid and, you know, I'm from Kentucky, so I've got a bit of a bit of a country accent that I don't hear unless I'm listening to, you know, with, with a podcast or whatever. So it, it took a lot of biting my tongue for the first few hours of, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, we, you know, I've been a podcast fan since the beginning of the medium. Um, you know, even when I was a kid <clears throat> and my co-host Matthew and I, you know, we've, we've gone to school together every year of our lives. And I, I remember like in, seventh grade we would get like our old ipod touches out and turn on the voice memos and <laughs> record conversations you know so it goes back a while <laughs> what uh what led to it like you wanted to start uh, a podcast with your homie matt it it just got down to the point where you know we both it was our freshman year of college um and we were just like you know what now people expect things from you. <laughs> You're an adult. <laughs> you've got to you've got to have some sort of output into the world. And you know, like I said, we had always had the urge to to be people that put your opinions out there and talk about the things that you love. So it just got down to the point where you know I think I texted him and I was like, "Hey man, it's time. Like we got to make this happen. It, you know, we don't need to be famous from it or whatever. Like we'll probably never make a dime or anything like that, but." in order to be creatively fulfilled and be who we want to be in lives, it's, it's time for us to, to make it happen. So thankfully we did because I'm an extraordinarily lazy person. And <laughs> I don't know if I, if I didn't have him to play off of, I, I don't know that I would have made it two years in, but thankfully, you know, here we are. That's awesome, man. Matt seems like a really cool guy too. I wish I could have got both you guys on, but I kind of like have you uh, having one of the members of the pod, you know, be the voice versus uh, you know, like a uh, bounce back and forth. But uh, yeah, man, and I'll I'll say something to him, and I'm sure you can get him. Yeah, on tell him I said what's up. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Um, what's something that you wish you uh something you wish you knew before you started podcasting that you knew you know now? Oh man, so many things. <laughs> um. You're kind of like, I, like I said earlier, uh, 
you know, we thought, okay, we need a structure. We need a topic for this episode. We need this and this and this. And now, you know, we do still like to do that sometimes, but also we'll just turn the mic on and have a really great time for a couple hours and laugh and just talk about random bullshit. And sometimes we say stuff that makes sense, you know? So I think if I could go back and, and tell myself, then I would just be like, Hey, you know, it doesn't have to be such a, a structured thing. It can be, and that's always great. But for me necessarily, the way I like to do things, my personality, um, you know, we can just talk and it, it can be fine. And there's so much content out there. There's so many podcasts that you're really asking for people to devote their time to you. And a lot of times that might not even happen. So you might as well do what you enjoy and you might as well have fun while you're doing it, you know? Um, but I don't know what, what did you find out that you didn't know back then? Um, the same thing that you just said, I feel like once you start a podcast, you feel like it has to have uh, a beginning and an end. But the best part of po- about podcasting is the things that happen in the middle. And like you said, just having a conversation, those are some of the best things that come out of podcast versus, you know, hitting every talking point. It's just random conversations that come off. Like, you know, I sent you over questions about a pod. I never brought up Cowboy Bebop, but we just had an awesome conversation about Cowboy Bebop, you know, just from conversating. Right. Now, if, uh, in the beginning of podcasts, I'd be like, oh, my God, like I can't bring up Cowboy Bebop or I can't bring up pro wrestling or something like that. So uh, to my former self, I would just say like the same thing, like, you know, just go with the flow. Just pick up the mic and just just go for it. Yeah, man, because that's what it is. It's just it's a conversation. I, I say all the time my favorite thing about podcasting is you get to sit down with someone that you might not normally get the opportunity to speak to long form. You know, you take away the Internet and all this sort of extra stuff that, that clouds your judgment in your day. And you just get to know someone for however long you're, you're on there for and you get to form a connection. And people never get to do that. Like, I don't like any time I've had someone on my podcast it's usually their first one and afterwards they're like wow that was crazy like i've never just ignored everything else been tuned into this one conversation for such a long period of time because normally there's dead spaces and there's breaks between what you're saying and you'll check your phone and get on twitter or instagram or whatever um that's but that's the cool thing about podcasting is you don't have to do that you can just take everything away and do what you're doing you know it's it can be natural and fun and that's what's the best thing about it yeah and just like you said like i wouldn't say i'm an anti-social person but i feel like we live in a society that we have our friends we have our routines we don't really want to go out and meet new people like for instance like we could have crossed paths in the future or in the past and we probably would have never sp- spoke with each other but podcasting brought us together and we're having an awesome conversation right now and i feel like a lot of people don't get a chance to communicate with people that aren't their friends uh, unless they're forced in a situation like work or, you know, a group activity or something like that. But, you know, podcasting brings people together. And that's what I love about podcasting. Yeah, man. And that's that like everyone shits on Twitter and rightfully so. Sometimes it can be a cesspool of negativity, (laughs) but I love Twitter because that's, that's also what it can be. It's a way to form connections and, get your name out there and interact with cool people that you would have never met. I mean, we live in different states and, you know, there's a good chance that we never would have crossed paths before without podcasting, without Twitter, things like that. Um, And it's, that's why I love Twitter. It's a really cool way for you to interact with people and get, 
you know, different perspectives that you never would have gotten before and different opinions. And also it's a way to discover things, you know, and it's, that's, I'm glad that I exist in this day and age right now. You know, if I, if I were a caveman, I don't think it would have worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd have been like this, the lone star grinding around. Yeah. Yeah. I would not have lasted. So I'm glad I can sit here and hold a microphone and talk to you about Kawagi Bop and wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> same, man. Same. Speaking of uh, other social media platforms to uh, connect with people, uh, you're heavy on Letterboxd, man. You write some really good stuff on there. Uh, some other outlets that I noticed you uh, write at is on Twitter. You write some comic book reviews and stuff like that. Um, do you have a writing background or did you kind of just pick it up? Well, so when I was, man, I'm trying to think of what age I was. I guess it was like second grade, third grade, something like that. Uh, like I've always been a, like I hate saying I'm a creative person, but like I've always been a bit of a creative person. I've had a wild imagination and I've always liked to, create my own stuff you know whether it's like play acting with your friends when you're five or six and you know you're acting like you're batman or whatever um for me you know i, I always say it i've never had an interest in sports um you know i've always been bad at talking to to people so for me the the way that i found myself was with a pen and a paper and it was trying to be creative or just writing down my thoughts or, or whatever. And, and I think it was third grade. They had a competition called young authors where everyone had to create a story. And, you know, I've, I've always been awful at school. I've always been bad at paying attention and also applying myself at, you know, math or science. Like that shit's just not, <laughs> it's not for me, <laughs> but this young authors thing, it was like, Oh shit. So you're telling me that we get to spend an hour in school, which I hate and just be, write down whatever you want. Like that's what I do at home. So that was really the first time that I got to hone that sort of skill. And ever since then, um, you know, I've always been an English type student. So I've always, I feel like had a firm grasp on the English language and had a, a, a sizable vocabulary, you know, I don't know. Um, but so ever since then, man, it's creative writing, editorial writing, what, whatever it is, um, I've always had an interest in. And then you know, Letterboxd, which for anyone that doesn't know, it's like social media for film lovers, I think they say, where you can log every movie you've ever seen, write reviews, make lists, interact with other movie fans. I found that, like I want to say fourth period one day and like my sophomore year of high school and I spent the rest of the day on Letterboxd, like making an account and all that. And for me, it was like, okay, so you're telling me that I can put down my opinions on the things that I love on a public forum like <laughs> holy shit so you know that was that for me and i think the natural evolution of that was me trying to i grow a bit more in the comic book community so now i'm writing for a website called comic book legion and i, I write marvel and dc reviews every week um because you know i love i love comic books i'm a weekly reader so i didn't i don't have any friends that are comic book fans like my uncle is but he he doesn't read them all weekly he'll let them build up and then he'll read them so i can't necessarily have that sort of discussion every week so it's been cool for me to be able to pick some titles that i'm into and write about them post them online and on twitter and get to interact with people about them and, and also get to get to interact with creators too um you know people reach out to me and ask me if i want to read their books and talk about them and i'm always like fuck yeah dude that's yeah, awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, man, I I love to, and I want to encourage people to be creative and to put out their own offerings from the world because that's all we have in our 
you know, hopefully 80 year lifespan is that you can, the only thing you can really offer is yourself, you know? So anytime I can do that or I can help someone else do that, like I'm game. I want to be there for that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, what are some comics that you're reading right now? Like some uh, weekly runs you're reading? Well, so I'm, I'm a big DC guy. Um, so right now I'm deep into Venditti's Hawkman run. It's been phenomenal. And like, I'm not even, well, I, I am now, I wasn't even a Hawkman fan until that, that dude's book came out and I've okay. been, I've been in on it since it's, it's, it's so good. I gotta check that uh, out. Oh dude. Yeah. You Cause I'm a huge DC guy as well. Um, it's so good. Yeah, it's, the only thing I'm reading right now. Well, I was reading a lot of rebirth stuff, but I kind of chilled out and just uh, focused on the Flash and uh, Batman right now. Yeah, what what do you think about Tom King's Batman run? The most much controversial run. The beginning was so solid. I freaking loved it. Like when they introduced like characters like Gotham Girl, uh, Gotham mm-hmm. Man. Like I loved all the way the beginning, but after uh, the Bane stuff. Uh, when he had to go to the island, I forget what it was called. Uh, it got kind of weird, <laughs> but uh, for the most part, I'm enjoying it. I, I feel like he's slowly starting to f- get back on the pace that he was at in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this whole nightmare sequ- sequence that's going on right now, but uh, uh, I think it's okay. It's not the best that I've read, but what do you think about it? I don't know, man. Like I'm the type that there's there's plenty of you know, there's 80 years of Batman. So there's plenty of Batman being a badass and an action hero and, and all that stuff. So I'm really happy that Tom King has gotten to examine Batman's psyche and his relationships with Nightwing or Catwoman or Alfred or Bane or whoever. Um, I like the fact that he's gotten to get into the emotional and psychological side. Um, now, I don't think he always does it very well. Sometimes it's great. Like I think the Mr. Freeze art where, you know, Bruce Wayne was in the courtroom. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I loved those issues. Uh, the booster gold stuff was interesting. You know, I kind of liked, kind of didn't like, um, I don't know. I like the idea of going deep into who the character is and not so much what they do, but there are a lot of moments in that book where I'm like, that is so out of character, you know, <laughs> Yeah. like, like the issue where Catwoman beats three flashes, you know, like, yeah, I was like, what the hell? That's wild. Yeah. And yeah. then the war, the war of jokes and riddles where Batman, he like defeats Deathstroke and Deadshot, like at the same time in like yeah. 10 seconds. I'm like, dude, you're not beating <laughs> Deathstroke like that. <laughs> That's yeah. not happening. That's a fact, know? man. Yeah. It has, yeah. it has its moments. Um, yeah, it's good. You said you read some Marvel stuff too? Yeah, I didn't used to, but I've started to get back into it recently just because I'm writing reviews for some of their stuff. So, you know, I think Nick Spencer's doing Spider-Man right now. Um, his book's pretty good. Uh, I'm reading the new Fantastic Four book that launched, I think, last year maybe. Um, they just started a really cool arc. They're doing a history of the Marvel Universe book. I think Mark Wade's writing that where they where he's like going through each kind of era of Marvel and trying to flesh it out and make it all work together in one canon. And that's actually been a really cool book. It's kind of like a textbook in a way, but really fascinating. Um, And then, you know, the absolute carnage stuff is going on right now. And that's the symbiotes have kind of taken over 
everything. So that's it's really interesting to see where that's headed. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I like it though. Yeah, I got to catch up on uh, Absolute Carnage. But uh, are you reading the House of X and uh, was it the House of X and uh, Powers of X? Maybe? Yeah, Powers of X. Yeah, are you reading those? I haven't yet. I've got the issues. Like I'm, I'm building up, waiting for them to finish, and then I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through it. Um, cause I've, I'm, I haven't always been a big X-Men fan, but recently I've been kind of getting into it and getting into the, the lore and the history of it. Um, so I'm excited for it. I've heard some really good things, but I'm, I'm waiting for it to finish. So then I can just, you know, binge all the issues. Yeah. I'm not a huge comic book reader, but I kind of like pick my runs to read. And anytime mm-hmm. Jonathan Hickman's name pops up, I'm all in oh, and yeah. I'm in love with this series so far. Uh, it's about to start wrapping up and then he's going to go into a full run of X-Men and what he's doing with this, you know, franchise is going to be epic. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but it's, I feel like it's really good writing so far. <laughs> yeah, man, I might have to give it a shot now. Now that you said that, I might not even wait until it finishes. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, just... it's solid. This last issue, boy. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah? Yeah. Oh, man. It's, yeah, it's that... epic, bro. It's epic. I don't... Have you oh have you been reading Doomsday Clock? Yeah, I follow that as well. Yeah. Oh, dude, that book is incredible. I mean, like I'm a I'm a huge Watchmen fan. The the movie's one of my favorite movies. The book's one of my favorite books. I I think it's one of the top five greatest things ever written. Comic books or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very hesitant when Doomsday Clock was gonna be a thing. You know, I guess two years now, two years ago now. Um, but it's. The second an issue comes out, I have that thing read in 10 minutes, and then I read it again and again. Like, it's one of the best books in modern times to me. I think that book is so amazing. Yeah, I was kind of confused about how they release issues because they kind of like pick, like, was like bi monthly <laughs> or uh, like it, once it a was, month or something like that. It was supposed to be monthly. I think it was. November 2017 was when issue one came out. It was supposed to wrap up November 2018. And then, you know, I think November, December, January, they, they had three out in a row. And then it became bi-monthly. And then it became like every two months. And <laughs> yeah. now it's like no one knows when an issue's coming out. It'll yeah. just happen. Because I have like, a subscription so. at my uh, my local comic book store. And like, I'll go pick it up. And I'm like, oh, dude, it's, in here. it's like, oh, it was a surprise. Like when you get oh, a package dude. from Amazon or something, like oh shit, <laughs> I forgot about this. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's wild because especially because like it was supposed to be this world changing event for DC, so they wrote the rebirth stuff, knowing that okay, Doomsday Clock's gonna be out November 2018. We'll be done with it. Now it's still not finished. We got one more issue. People are thinking it's gonna be December <laughs> is when it's gonna come out. Um, but DC's kind of had to hold everything hostage un- until that book comes out because their big plans are for after it. So now everyone, I feel like, is just kind of, I don't want to say filling time, but, you know, kind of riding a wave of what do we do? Yeah, because uh, the button was the reason why I started reading the Batman, Batman run, and they haven't even brought it up in, like, a full year now. I was kind of upset about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy because there, there was such a big hype with Rebirth and, and the fact that Watchmen was coming in and, and yeah. all that stuff. And they've definitely lost a lot of momentum. Um, I will say, though, that last issue of Doomsday Clock was incredible. And the finale, you know, Superman versus Dr. Manhattan, I'm, I'm not ready for it, but I'm so <laughs> ready. 
yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be amazing. Can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something else that happened uh last week. I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch it yet, but the El Camino trailer dropped. Did you get a chance to check it out yet? I see, man. I'm I've got a weird relationship with trailers. I will watch the first teaser and then I try to stay away. Uh, I was not successful in staying away. <laughs> because, I figured. <laughs> yeah, I'm massive Breaking Bad fan. You know, I jumped on right before the last season aired. You know, I think 2013, something like that. I'd binged them all on Netflix and watched the last season live. And, you know, greatest TV show of all time, probably. It's so good. So I was very hesitant to to hear that they were doing this movie. But knowing, like, okay, it's Vince Gilligan, Aaron Paul. All right, I'm willing to to set aside my reservations and just trust that they know what they're doing. Um, you know, I can't say that I was really, like, itching to know what happened after the show finished. I, I really thought that was a good ending, and I liked the mystery of it. Um, but the cinematography from the trailers alone looks amazing. Um, you know, we do Matthew and I on our show, we do the just mash film awards every year, which is our own version of the Oscars. Cause we're usually dissatisfied <laughs> with the Oscars <laughs> and just watching this trailer. I was like, El Camino I'm, is going to get so many nominations for me. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It looks really good. And just like you said, like, I was kind of like, why are they even bringing back, you know, Jesse Pickman, but why not? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I avoided the trailer for, let's say, an hour. <laughs> and every time I went on Twitter, like, it just in my face. And I finally, like, gave in and clicked on it. And I've rewatched it, like, five times so far. And I'm pretty stoked about uh, this movie now. Pretty, pretty excited. Yeah, man. Oh, I can't, I can't wait. And I'm glad that it's, like, I, I think it's going to be in theaters as well as being on Netflix. So I will try and see it in theaters. But I'm glad that it, I could just lay in bed and turn it on and be like oh shit we're back in breaking bad you know and i'm glad they weren't promoting it for a year and a half i'm glad it people started hearing about it you know two months ago and now it's almost here like i love the immediacy of that i think that's awesome yeah it, it looks really good like you said cinematography wise and it looks like he's been on the run for a while like starts off he's knocking on the door and i don't even know who that guy is he looks like he needs some help and looks like he's got his ass beat or uh escape from someone but uh when he shaved his head i got some walter uh white vibes from the from the bald head i was like oh shit maybe he's gonna get back into the biz yeah that would be incredible i was reading some sort of theories about how maybe walter white's still alive maybe he survived oh that would yeah. be wild bro i don't i don't know oh, how don't i would feel oh man that would be crazy that would you know, be I, crazy and you never know. know, they might come out like they drop this and then like they do like a limited series after this. Because if, if this makes like the money that they're expecting to make, they're going to ride the wave. That's just the oh, society yeah. that we're in right now. They're going to ride the wave. Maybe like a six series or a six episode limited series or something like that with Jesse Pickman, you know, cooking up meth or, you know, Walter White backs. They'll do something like that. I won't be surprised. Oh, it would, it would be incredible. Do you watch Better Call Saul? That's, that's one series that I wish I watched, but I never had a chance to. But uh, I've heard good things about it. Dude, I like I'm weird. Like, I think Breaking Bad is better, but I like Better Call Saul more, I think. Um, probably because I'm I'm a dialogue guy and Better Call Saul is like 
kind of like a stage play with with the amount of dialogue that they have. Um, you know, Breaking Bad has a bit more action, and I would say Breaking Bad gets a bit more intense, whereas Better Call Saul is a bit more of like a bit of a legal drama, and you know, it plays out sort of like courtroom movies from back in the day. Um, but yeah, I, I I love it so much, and I'm I'm just so glad that that is a universe that we've continued to get to see output from and it's actually been good. It's not watered down and it's not bad. You know, you think Saul makes an appearance in El El Camino? I think he's got to, because with better call Saul, the way they do it is like, it starts out by showing what happened to Saul after breaking bad. And then it goes into his backstory. So every now and then they'll show, um, like they'll do a jump forward and show what's happening to Saul right now, and then they keep telling his backstory. Mm. So I think that's, you know, I don't know how long they've thought they were going to do this movie, but I think now it's like you can't miss that opportunity. You know, you got to bring him back. So yeah, I hope they keep it under wraps so it'd be like a surprise because that would be wild. I am a fan of Saul though, so I I probably have to check check out the series pretty soon. But I'm so behind on it, you know, stuff that's currently running that it's kind of hard to like watch shows from like years ago you know what i mean oh yeah i'm the same way i i the only show new show that i've watched in the past year was game of thrones and i was super late to the party on that one got in right before the end so yeah i feel like once you get behind it's like you'll never be able to catch up (laughs) pretty much man there's so much content out nowadays Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to find what it is you enjoy and and then sticking with it you know i mean yeah game of thrones and then before that, I guess it might have even been Cowboy Bebop as was the last show, and that was early 2017. <laughs> so I'm bad with TV shows. From but. a from a binging perspective, with Thrones, since you like you know said you caught up right in time for season eight, were you uh, so against the ending as everyone else was, or did it kind of blend in for you on a binging perspective? I hated the ending so much. Okay, so <laughs> it was it was bad no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think, well, so it just, it's jarring because the show itself, the first six seasons move slow, and then the last two are like runaway train, it doesn't stop. So seeing how fast everything moves, it's interesting when you watch it from the binge, but I think it's it's probably harder to pick apart the inconsistencies when you're binging it, but... You know, for me, I watched one through seven and I finished seven the day before season eight started. And then eight, I was a weekly watcher. So it was hard for me to watch an episode and then not have anything else for a week because I was so used to, you know, doing three or four hours a night of Game of Thrones. Um, But season eight, they just, oh, they shit the bed so hard. It's just. Yo, when Danny turned around and flamed everybody i was like what yeah what just i don't i still don't understand what's going on and they're still winning awards for it like i don't get it man oh man that's another that's another pod (laughs) yeah no dude it's it's wild too because like like i said matthew and like matthew's been a big game of thrones fan for a long time so i started watching it and then what we would do is like we record sunday nights which was when Game of Thrones would happen. So we recorded after the first episode and talked about how great it was. Mm-hmm. And then the same for the second episode. And then the third episode, we were like, yeah, that was good. And then the fourth, we were like, wow, that was not good. And then <laughs> it, it, every week, 
you could see the, the, the like decline. Yes, and it was crazy because we were so enthusiastic, mm-hmm. and then in a matter of three weeks, we were like so negative, and we try so hard not to be negative, but it's yeah. so bad. I tried too because um, during that gap year when they uh, took a year off, I decided to uh, read the books, and I wanted to catch up right in time before season eight started, but. The books right. ended in like season four or five. So I was like, oh shit. So they're just making shit up at this point. I never knew they were just making shit up. And yeah, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And I was trying to be, you know, as positive. And even though there are people that are like, uh, we should have saw Danny turn mad, it just didn't feel earned. It just felt like they're just, all right, this is what, this is how it really happens. And it just didn't make any sense. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, the best point is that it didn't feel earned because I think, you know, no one knows for sure, but I think the rumor was that the Game of Thrones writers said to HBO, hey, we want to take this to season 12. And HBO was like, this was after season six. HBO was like, how about instead of taking it to season 12, we'll give you season seven, eight, and nine, and we'll do it for 10 episodes each. And then the Game of Thrones writers were like, well, how about two seasons of six episodes each? And I'm like, how can you <laughs> cut down that much yeah, stuff? that's wild. Yeah, into like 12 episodes. And you can just tell that it's like they, I don't think the ending on its own was necessarily bad outside of the logical in- inconsistencies. But the fact that there was no bridge to get to it, you know, we never saw, we never saw Jamie kind of realize that maybe he doesn't like himself as much as he thought. We never saw Daenerys flirt with being a bad person like that you know we never saw those sort of things so then when it just happens out of nowhere everyone acts out of character and none of it made sense and it was very very bad yeah then they throw in like the fan servicey stuff like you know uh jamie and brianne hooking up and he just randomly leaves and not say anything to her now he's dead it's just it was yeah. all a mess man it was all all a mess but uh uh are you gonna be watching the prequel series Right now, I say no, but, you know, when that first episode happens... I think the gravitational pull from the hype will get you. <laughs> I think it will, too. And I'm like, I'm a loyal... Everybody's talking about it, and you're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta check it out. <laughs> well, and it's very likely that I also could wait until the last season, because I'm yeah, slow with true. shit, that's and true. I'm stubborn. You know, I don't know. I mean, I heard Naomi Watts was in it, and I really like her. I like her a lot um so that kind of makes me interested but at the same time i think they've said it's thousands and thousands of years before the new season or i mean before the show we watched so i'm also just kind of like well what's the point you know if it's not gonna have any sort of real connection outside of the fact that it's the same universe i don't know (laughs) well i know something that you're probably not gonna wait to go see is joker movie (laughs) (laughs) open a night or what Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Open the <laughs> night, the next day, a week later, and then another week later. <laughs> like, yo, once I went on your feet and I saw you pin the her movie on there, I was like, this is my guy because I fucking love that movie so fucking much, uh, bro. Like, I was late to the party. I watched it, I think, two years ago. Might have came out a couple years before that, but just watching that movie was like, I never seen Joaquin Phoenix like that, and. Yeah. Whenever you get a movie or a concept when it's like uh, humans and technology and how we will uh, eventually interact with technology like that, it just makes so much sense. And it was a beautiful movie. And after that, Joaquin Phoenix went on a crazy run with roles. Like he just 
he just unlocked another level to his uh to his madness. And once I saw he got cast as Joker movie, I was like, yo, this might be better than Heath Ledger's performance. Like I'm not even gonna lie. But yeah. I'm a huge Joaquin Phoenix fan and everything about this, everything that's been heard to influence this film, like King of Comedy, Taxi Driver, like all these Martin Scorsese movies is just like this movie is going to be a banger, bro. And I think this is going to push comic book movies to its final limit into like an award winning conversation for platforms like the Oscars and other things. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen after this comes out. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm I'm feeling the same way because it's taken a long time for comic book movies to get where they are now and to get the respect, you know. I mean, Heath Ledger got the nod in 2008, 2009 for The Dark Knight. And then after that, there was a drought until Logan got nominated for Best Writing, Best Adapted Screenplay, and that didn't win. And then, you know, last year, Black Panther kicked the doors open and got, I don't even remember, eight nominations, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. And the stuff I'm hearing about Joker, all the awards that it's won and it can and TIFF and all that stuff and the buzz around it. And, you know, Joaquin, he's my favorite actor ever, ever since I saw her, like, I remember I watched it on my phone in January, 2014. And I remember like laying in bed sobbing (laughs) because of (laughs) the emotional journey of that movie. But I immediately when the, the final frame of the film rolled and the credits hit, it was immediately my favorite movie and it changed me and uh, not a lot of people get to say that about stuff, but that movie, it, it's done so much for me. And like you said, Joaquin went on such a role afterwards with, you know, Inherent Vice, which, which I love. The Master was just before, which is great. Uh, last year's You Were Never Really Here. He's done so many amazing things recently. And even going back to like Walk the Line with Johnny Cash or The Village with M. Night Shyamalan. Like, he's always been a phenomenal actor. Gladiator. Everything yeah, around. Gladiator. One of the best villains of all time in a movie. Um, it's it's incredible that, you know, I think Marvel tried to get him for the Hulk in 2008. And I think they tried to get him for Doctor Strange also. But he just didn't want to be a part of, you know, 12 movies, you know, in a row. Um, but I'm glad that he finally got to step into this universe, but also... It's such an important and iconic character like the Joker, you know, and he is the right person to do it. And I totally agree with you that he could easily, I don't want to say easily, but it's a very real possibility that he could dethrone Heath Ledger as the best one. Yeah, I think it's going to happen, to be honest, and I'm ready for it. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, like, no lie, but... uh... Oh, yeah, I got chills talking about it. Yeah, (laughs) but it's, it's so funny, like, when this movie was first rumored to be made and it was like directed by Todd Phillips. Everybody was down on it because of his filmography, like the guy that did Hangover. But yeah. um these last few years, people that are have their hands in comedy like uh Jordan Peele, uh I forget the guy's name, he made a, a Quiet Place. Like all these guys that have like comedic backgrounds are making some bangers, like creative stuff like that we haven't seen before. And I think Todd Phillips yeah. is gonna make a huge statement with this film. Yeah, man. I mean, I think people within the comedy realm get disrespected a bit and that people think that that's all that they can do. Um, but I think it's easier to be a like a comedic person and then step into a dramatic or horror role yeah. than it is to be dramatic and then try and be funny. You know, so I think and also 
like you, when you when you kind of ride down that uncanny valley and say, okay, on one side of things this is funny, and on another side it's dark, intense, and creepy. The uncanny valley is right between, and I think people that know funny also know sad, and they know scary. So I think that's why you see someone like Jordan Peele be extremely funny and Keaton Peele, and then just make these mindfuck terror movies of Get Out and Us, and you know Adam McKay who made. Anchorman and all that stuff. He's been nominated for an Oscar like twice now with The Big Short and Vice. Um, you know, I think Todd Phillips, while I get the criticisms, you know, I think The Hangover One is one of the best movies ever made. Um, I love Old School, which he also directed. I think that movie's hilarious. Um, you know, would he have been my first choice? No. But do I trust Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro? Of course. So if, <laughs> if they're willing to work with him in this movie, yeah. then I'm here for it. You know, like I, they know more than I do. So let's do it. You know, and so far it looks amazing. Have you been uh, successful with uh, avoiding spoilers for it? I've heard very small things, um, but I heard and Todd Phillips came out and said, like there was a script leak a while ago and that's where those rumors are coming from. And that script leak was the script, but he said he's rewritten it since. Oh, sweet. so yeah. So I, I heard one thing, but I don't even know if that's necessarily going to be it. Um, but I've, I've been pretty good about staying away cause I used to like seek out spoilers. Like I remember before, you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Civil War, I knew <laughs> everything that was going to happen in those movies. Whereas now I like stay as far away from spoilers as I can. I've really done like a 180 on it. It's that's weird. <laughs> Same. Uh, I got to the point that I realized that it takes away from the experience of, you know, going into it with no expectations at all and just being surprised and uh, caught off guard by the film. Yeah, but, uh, man. Because I think for me it was about, I like if if you know Captain America is my favorite character. And there were rumors like every movie that Captain America was going to die. So for me, it was, I don't want to sit in the theater and get off, <laughs> caught off guard if Captain America dies and then cry like a little bitch. So my thought process was, I will just look it up beforehand, know everything about it. So then going into it, I won't be caught off guard. And if it's something that I don't like, I'll have some time to sit with it and get used to it. So when I see the movie in theaters, I'm not disgusted by how bad it is or how much I dislike it like I was with Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard you bash that too. I fell asleep oh, during Ragnarok. I was like, I got the hype behind it. It was visually like, you know, stunning and it looked pretty cool. But I fell asleep like during <laughs> like parts of it. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, oh, dude. But, I don't blame uh, you. You know, I saw it once in the theater, midnight showing and. I was kind of confused. Like, I thought, I was like, yeah, I like it, but I didn't like it. And I was very confused. Yeah, so I was fighting myself too. Cause I went back to rewatch it and I was I like, oh, too. it was all right. But yeah, I saw it again in theaters probably a week later. And I was like, man, you know, I really don't think I like that movie. And then I bought it <laughs> when it came out. And I rewatched it again and I was like, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't like this movie at all for so many okay. reasons. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't get a chance to like, talk about you know the hate for Ragnarok with a lot of people so thanks man thanks. Oh, I always yeah, feel no, like I'm, I'm like you know you ever had like a podcast on and you don't want to like you know step on their toes or like start an argument with them so you kind of see where they're coming from and just 
let yeah. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing for the past times I've been talking about Ragnarok, <laughs> but now I can finally voice my strong dislike for Ragnarok. Oh, dude, I'm I'm happy I could be that person for you because <laughs> I hate that movie and I love talking about how much I hate it with people that hate it. So, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah. Um, something else that happened in the news recently was the uh the news about the the Batman movie that's coming out. Um. We got some casting uh, rumors from uh, Jeremy Wright and uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, Jeremy Wright got casted as Commissioner Gordon, which uh, I think was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I did notice that was kind of like not weird, but it kind of made sense was that usually whenever someone get cast as the wrong race, like Twitter, like erupts. But I think a lot of people are OK with Jeremy Wright being the Commissioner Gordon with this one. And uh Jonah Hill was rumored to play Riddler or the Joker. I mean, not, not Joker, but uh, the Penguin. Penguin. Yeah. Um, how'd you feel about the news of Jonah Hill being in, in the Batman? Uh, I'm not a fan of, of the Jonah Hill casting. Um, you know, I get the Penguin thing a bit more, um, but Riddler is my favorite villain, and I'm kind of disgusted at the thought of Jonah Hill being the Riddler. Like, that just... Oh, that really does not sit well with me. I thought that was pretty uh, weird, too. Um, I know he's been, like, trying to clean up his filmography. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a film that was on Netflix, like, uh, last year. It was, it was pretty decent. But, uh, and then he's, you know, getting his hands into directing with the uh, mid-90s and stuff like that. But um, when I heard it was confirmed, or not confirmed, but rumored to be the Penguin, I was like, oh, okay. And then, like you you said about the Riddler, I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, me, me and you were fans of, you know, comic books and uh, Batman. Do you have any other suggestions of roles that he should play? Man. So, oh, man, for Jonah Hill, I would probably maybe say, I could see him being a scarecrow, honestly. That would be fun. Or, um, actually, you know what? If I'm, if, I, if, they, if I'm making this movie and they said you have to have Jonah Hill as it, I would have him as Clayface. That is that is that is what I was about to say. Um, yeah, one of my friends He's on Twitter, his actor. name Derek Wong, was like, he needs to be Clayface, and I was like, holy shit! I think you're onto something. So hopefully, hopefully he uh, asks, can he play Clayface? And we have somebody <laughs> else cast as Penguin or the Joker. I mean, I keep that, saying I mean, the Joker. We were talking about Joker yeah. for like 30 minutes. I keep saying Joker. Sorry, guys. Uh, the Penguin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, and I think you know, I've heard Josh Gad, who's from like Frozen and all that. Uh, he would be a good penguin, and I, I I agree with that. You know, I think aesthetically, obviously, he would be good, but I think he could actually pull it off too. Um, you know, whereas Jonah Hill for me seems like I, I could totally see him being a you know Basil Carlo Clayface. He's an actor. He's got all these struggles. I can see him playing a piece of shit, but conflicted. You know, but also he doesn't have to get in any sort of shape or necessarily look in a certain way for the clay face parts because he's fucking cgi you know so we don't have to deal with that yeah uh, i love the call for Clayface for sure and I, I don't think that he will be the only villain in this film uh usually with these batman movies they have numerous villains along the way so i think he'll just be part of one uh collab yeah, I mean, the rumor for a while when, when Affleck was doing it was that it was going to be an Arkham Asylum type thing and that, you know, Riddler, Penguin, uh, Poison Ivy, Catwoman, like all these villains were going to be in it. And that's one that has kind of sustained. And, you know, with the rumor that 
um, Matt Reeves is is looking for you know Jonah Hill to play the Riddler or the Penguin, and he's casting for Catwoman and and a few others. I've, I'm on board to get you know five or six different villains in this movie, especially because we've had such a drought of Batman, and with the Nolan movies, we we got Scarecrow, we got Joker, we got Bane. But outside of them, there has not been Batman representation of villains in movies since 2011. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm here for it. If you want to give me all of them, give me all of them. You know, as long as it's good. That's my thing. Yeah, and this movie's been through so much already. Like, especially, like, when it first announced that uh, Robert Pattinson was going to be uh, Bruce Wayne. Everybody mm-hmm. was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Robert Pattinson, the guy from Twilight. And now everybody's on board, it seems like. I am. Uh, did you see the movie Good Time? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, dude, you need to check that movie out, like, after we hang out. <laughs> like, okay, you need to sure. see that movie. I got a it's day off. So I'm to watch. I'll check it out. Yeah, and that, and Robert Pattinson, like, I give the Twilight stuff, but I don't think it's fair to necessarily complain unless you've seen his recent stuff. And he has become a phenomenal actor. And I have all the faith in the world. And A, Matt Reeves casting, I, I think he knows what he's doing. Um, I loved his Planet of the Apes movie. Um, but also, Robert Pattinson has just been killing it recently. So I think he knows what he's doing. I'm excited to see what he does as Batman, you know. Yeah, and means- if he sucks, he won't be Batman again, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm I'm ready for a new take. Yeah, I'm on board with the uh, Robert Pattinson news, too, because uh, I watched High Life earlier this year, a solid film. Oh, yeah. That movie is wild. And uh, I'm actually really anticipating uh, The Lighthouse with uh, Robert Pattinson and uh, William Dafoe. That movie oh, looks I insane. I can't watch that. I mean, I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, that's. I think it. I think that and Jojo Rabbit and Zombieland 2 all come out on the same day. So <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, shit. I might have to be doing a triple feature that day. Yeah, for sure. Definitely gonna it's be gonna checking be it out. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Ad Astra. Um, Ooh. did you like it? Yeah, man, I I really did. Walking out of the theater, I wasn't. I, I knew I liked it, but I wasn't sure, sort of wh- how I felt. You know, I was still same. Awestruck. I was kind of like, what did I just experience? Because yeah, Ad Astra was an experience for sure. Oh, one hundred percent, and. You know, walking out like I before I had read uh, the director of Star Wars: The Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson, had said this movie is a cross between Apocalypse Now and 2001: A Space Odyssey, and those are two of the greatest movies ever made. So going in, I had that on my mind. Coming out, I totally agree with that uh, idea. Um, I would also throw, you know, I felt the same way while I was watching Interstellar. I felt the same way when I saw Annihilation last year. Um, you know, that those are the movies that I also thought of with this movie, and I think it totally fits into that sort of sort of genre of, of movies. Um, you know, I thought Brad Pitt was just phenomenal. He was so good. Same with Tommy Lee Jones. Um, but the cinematography, I'm pretty sure it was the same cinematographer as uh, her. I think it was the same dude. Yeah, and I think it was the same guy that filmed uh, Interstellar as well. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Wow, yeah, that's just, crazy. I just found that out prepping for the pod. I was like, oh shit, I could see the comparisons for sure. Um, were you more going to go see this movie because you're a fan of Brad Pitt or sci-fi flicks? I would say ultimately it would it was because I'm a fan of movies and I like to see whatever whatever movies out that people are talking about. You know, I wanna I wanna see it and be able to offer my opinion on it and 
just be in the know, you know, I don't want to miss out. <laughs> um, but also like I've grown to love Brad Pitt. Like we've been talking about it on our podcast for the past few weeks now. Like we've become Same. Brad Pitt fans out of nowhere. Um, you know, he was in the Tarantino movie this year, which was great. And he was great in it. Um, but sci-fi to me is the best genre. You know, that's, that's where the most creative stuff happens. I mean, obviously you got the Marvel movies and Star Wars, but look at 2001 A Space Odyssey. Look at Interstellar. Look at her, which is even a sci-fi film. Annihilation recently. Uh, Ex Machina, you know, like that, that's the genre where you can do some crazy shit and you can analyze societal issues without being like, hey, here we are with a, you know, political drama and, you know, here's society. You can do it in a cool, unique way. Like that's what The Twilight Zone was all about. And like, I love The Twilight Zone, one of the greatest shows ever made. So, um, I guess we talked about it enough, like without spoiling it. And I feel like the only way to talk about this movie is to spoil it. Uh, let's talk about our, well, if you're listening to the pod and you haven't seen it yet, please come back and revisit, uh, the pod at this point. And we're going to start talking about some spoilers from here on out. Just a warning for you guys. But, uh, what were some of your likes about the film? Like your favorite moments? So, well, first of all, I think, well, okay. For me, it's like a three-way tie of the best scenes of the movie. The, the first one is that. That battle that happens on the moon, that was oh, fucking insane. Fucking God, bro. Like, it was so quiet in my movie theater. You could hear a pin drop. And yeah. just to like the sound effect that those guns were making, like the like the muffled sound. Yeah, man. Like to a T. I'm like, how is this even possible? Like, yeah. Oh my God. And space pirates? Yeah, bro, I know. Like, oh my idea. God. That whole first act was. The reason why I gave it a four, like just the first act alone, like everything that happened to it or happened in individuals, like you mentioned in your pod, the little space ladder. It just felt like th- like I love how they didn't mention what year it was. You kind of yeah. got the sense that it was uh, the distant future. And I love what they did with the moon base, how they had like a food court in there and like souvenirs. Like I could totally see that happen. And like once we were ever to like travel to the moon and back from a commercial flight. Like, oh yeah. Everything in that first act felt un like surreal. Like I'm just like, damn, this is like, I've never seen this like done or space done like that. It just felt realistic to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that like, I love in movies where, especially sci-fi movies where it starts out as, okay, this is not our reality, but it's not far. You know, I could see our future turning into this, where we travel to the moon like that, like you said, the food court, all that stuff. But it eventually kind of evolves into this crazy sort of psychological thriller in space where a bunch of wild shit happens and they go to parts that no one on Earth has ever seen before, shit like that. I love it when you can start in reality and then just go fucking nuts and it works and that's what this movie was to me and you know that's why i loved it and just the crazy visuals and like the moon stuff like i loved the the physics of the guns and like you said that the noise that it made and the way that the the bullets looked shooting um just the fact of like a high-speed car chase on the moon is insane but they (laughs) did it so well Mm -hmm. um brad pitt got to be a badass but it didn't feel like he was being a badass as much as like, yes, this is someone who is competent, who is, you know, in this situation and they're just having to deal with it. And I really liked that part of it too. Yeah. Something else you mentioned in your pod that I was 
really impressed with was uh, the fact that they didn't have a space monster and how they used the space monkey, like eating that guy's face as like a a moment of surprise. Like it kind of caught me off guard. Like you got the sense yeah. that you're about to see an alien at that point. Yeah, and totally. When the guys has his back towards uh, Brad Pitt and you can see something's in front of him and it showed the monkey's face. I'm like, is that a fucking monkey? Like I was like surprised, like, but it made sense because I mean, how I feel like it, it would, I wouldn't say it would have ruined the movie if they had an alien right there, but I feel like it made it more realistic. Yeah, it definitely felt like, I mean, like, look, there could be aliens out there. We don't know. So, but if you put aliens in a movie, then that makes it like, oh, okay. So that this movie is, yeah. it's different. Mm-hmm. But when you make it about, you know, could there be aliens? I don't know, but that's not necessarily what's going on here. And then, you know, you kind of, when you're following Brad Pitt through that space station and you're like, something odd is happening here, but we don't know what it is yet. And then when you see kind of like the fur on, on the, the monkey kind of like move, you're like, oh shit, what's that? And then you realize like, oh shit, like what, what is this? <laughs> yeah. But then you're like, well, you know what? It makes sense. It's still creepy. It still scratches that alien itch, that sci-fi itch. And it's still an amazing, uh, unique, creative, inventive scene that I've never seen anything like it before. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that scene to me is could be the best scene in the movie. I was on edge the entire time. And there was some real danger in it, too. You know, I genuinely felt like, oh, shit, Brad Pitt could lose an arm here. Yeah, the stakes were definitely there in this film. And I feel like sometimes films like that, and they came through with that that, uh, that scene. Yeah, man, totally. How'd you feel about the ending, though? I don't know. Same. Like, I don't don't want to say I hated it, and I don't want to say I liked it. Yeah, it's, it's that weird sort of middle. Like, I like the, the idea of, like, Tommy Lee Jones' main motivation is he wants to find extraterrestrial life, so much so that he has ignored the actual life that exists on Earth, uh, including his wife and, and child. Um, and then I, I like at the end that there aren't any aliens and that essentially his life was a failure and it was a waste because he spent everything looking for something that wasn't there, even though, like they say in the movie, it was there the whole time, just not what he wanted. Um, so I liked that idea and I liked that that was unique because I feel like everyone else would have been like, oh shit, look, there's aliens, you know? So I liked that they didn't do that. While also though, you know, I think it was earned to have Brad Pitt survive and make it back to earth. I think it was deserved. Um, but at the same time, it felt kind of like, you know, you go on a two hour journey where it takes Brad Pitt so long to get to, you know, Neptune or wherever it was. And then in a matter of like seconds, we switched to him landing on earth. Yeah. I feel like at that moment, that's when he decided that this movie isn't realistic in a sense. Yeah. Like when he, I think he described it as Captain America with the shield going through Neptune's ring. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, was, yeah. really dude? Like, I'm like, are we really going to do that? But visually it was dope. I really enjoyed oh. that as visually, but it just, it just didn't feel real. Yeah, man. And he uses explosion to get back. I'm like, okay, now we're in like a whole different universe now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you did you see The Martian a few years ago? Yeah. With see, uh, like, Matt Damon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie used science and things like that. And the way that, you know, Matt Damon would have to do crazy shit, like use an explosion to get to wherever. 
but they explained it in such a way that I didn't feel like it was unrealistic where I felt like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, whereas this movie, it kind of feels like they just assumed that we either know or that we would just get on board with it. <laughs> yeah. So they just, they would do shit like that. And I'm like, okay, sure. You know, whatever. Yeah, that's what I it guess. was. It's just like, we know that this doesn't make any sense, but we got to find a way for him to get back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It yeah. was just, I don't know, I don't know. Like I said, I feel like the journey that we went on and that Brad Pitt went on, it was deserved. I feel like I'm glad that, that he got back to Earth. Mm-hmm. But I think it could have been done in a different way, you know. But then again, that's not the story they're trying to tell. That's not the story that mattered. His journey to Earth wasn't as important as his journey there. So I get it. Right. But still weird. I see both sides of the ending, but I mean, I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't love it either, but, you know. Yeah. But, uh, damn, man. Josh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, man, it's been a good time. But, you know, anytime anytime you want to do this again, you know, I'm definitely down for it. Yeah, it was really fun, man. This is probably the longest I've ever done a podcast, and I didn't want the conversation to end. <laughs> yeah, man, I, that's, that's the biggest issue with our show is that we'll sit down and, you know, we start talking and then three hours later we've got <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. And, you know, I always tell our guests before we start, like, hey, what time do you have to be done? Because we'll just go on and on and on and on. So, right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what can we expect from uh, the Just Smash podcast in the future? Uh, well, so coming up, you know, we've got we got a few interviews with, um, you know, we got an episode that's uploading today or tomorrow about wrestling with uh, someone we went to high school with. Um, you know, we're going to do an episode about the Marvel movies. I, I made like a kind of a March madness bracket of all of them that, that we're going to go through. It's going <laughs> to cool. be, yeah, man, it's going to be really cool. Um, you know, with like this, this episode concept that, that we've had since the beginning called from the ground up where we just sit down and conceptualize an idea from, from start to finish. And, you know, the last one we did was a couple episodes ago where we, tried to create a space adventure animated TV show and that was awesome. So, you know, I would say expect, expect a lot more of that, a lot more interviews and then a lot more of me and Matthew being idiots talking about stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, where can the listeners find you at? Uh, so you can find just smash podcast on, I think we're on everything. We're on YouTube, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, you know, all that stuff. Uh, just type in just smash podcast. And, and you can find it there. Um, Twitter, I think I'm at jdavenport98, I think, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I, I never remember that. Uh, the Twitter for the pod is at JustMashMedia. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty much most of what I'm on, I think. Letterboxd, I'm, I think I'm just Josh Davenport. I could, I could be wrong on that, though, but I'm not hard <laughs> to find. <laughs> so much stuff to keep up with. Y- yeah, there is, but it's not a bad problem to have. Yeah, Josh, you're an awesome guy, man. I enjoyed talking to you, man. You have a bright future in the podcasting business and writing and all that stuff. And I had a good time, you know, diving into your world and you stepping into mine, man. Definitely got to do this again. Yeah, man, thanks. Like I said, I appreciate you having me on. You're, you're great at what you do. And, you know, I appreciate all the nice words. And like I said, anytime you need a guest to talk shit about Thor Ragnarok or anything, <laughs> you know, feel free to, to give me a call and we'll do this again. I'm going to hold you to that, man. All right. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Peace.